0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be... Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Here, here, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. When he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely seek guidance at Abel. And so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Apparently, Sheba ran off to hide behind the walls of this city here, but this wise woman referred to this city. This is an inheritance of the Lord. In other words, she was trying to say that this city here had always been a great place of prominence in the land. It was a place that had always been loyal to the kingdom of Israel. It's a place where people used to come and resolve differences, and they came out better for it. And so she basically asked Joab, why would you want to swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Why would you want to destroy a city that has always been good and resourceful and beneficial to the rest of Israel? She was trying to convince Joab that it made no sense to destroy a city that had always been so useful to the national economy and to the kingdom. Why would you kill this, destroy this place? This is a good place. Second Samuel 20 and 20. And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bishri by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bishri, and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Oh, listen to Joab. I just love that. Oh, far be it from me, far, far be it from me that I should destroy. After looking at what he just did to Amasa, sucker stabbed him in the gut and left him in the road to die. I mean, yeah, far be it for me that I should destroy anything. Yeah, Joab, listen to you. <laughs> Good gracious. So, he told the woman, "I I'm not trying to take the whole city, just give me Sheba. That's all I want." So she convinced the people to cut Sheba's head off and toss it over the uh, toss it over the wall. I mean, my goodness, this is quite quite the story here, isn't it? Tough times, right? Um But the revolution, the guy that read the revolution was put down uh, quite harshly, I would add. But apparently the people who loved the kingdom wanted no part of the revolution. They wanted to aid in the resolution. Well, they were on board with David. And so they pitched in, they took out the opposition because they wanted it to benefit the kingdom. Now, that's a pretty heavy content there, isn't it? Nobody likes a revolution when it threatens the peace, especially their their peace, and everybody took it seriously, and they got rid of Sheba for it. I think we can all understand that this was not a smart move on Sheba's part to try to do this, and he got what he had coming to him. We can all look at that, oh, bad Sheba, you got what you had coming, but hang on, I'll get you later. (laughs) But what gets me here is where it says that Joab went back to the king at Jerusalem. Did you see that? He went back to the king. I thought you got fired. Well, yeah, here I am. Here's the head of Sheba here. David tolerated that assassination for some reason. Went, wait wait a minute. I sent Amasa to go out and do this, and you come back? I don't understand what, what's going on here exactly. I'm, I would like to think that if I were David, I would have said, dude, I thought I fired you. I thought you were done. What are you doing picking up this job? Maybe David was somewhat afraid of Joab. Perhaps David thought that Joab's persistence to keep staying in the ranks here maybe it was part of a curse that God made David live with as part of his punishment. Who knows why David did this? But for some reason, David did not put his foot down like maybe he should have done. But David somewhat did the same thing, though, when you think of it. Back when Amnon raped Tamar. David knew about it, but he didn't do anything about it. David's the guy that stepped out and killed Goliath. He had the boldness and all that, but he's not doing what he should with people close to him. Uh, In some respects, David doesn't seem to be the man he used to be, but I think David had a a much harder time dealing with people that were close to him than he did in dealing with people he didn't know. You ever been in that scenario before? When it comes to people, you don't know. You're a little quicker to, yeah, I'll I'll take care of that guy. I'll take care of her or whatever. But when it comes to somebody very close to you, it's a little harder. It's a little more awkward. Maybe that was what's going on here. I can tell, though, by looking at David that his sin has messed him up really bad. And paying the consequences, losing these sons has messed him up pretty bad. So, whatever's going on, whatever the possibilities that I have suggested to you, that's going on in the story. David is is off a little bit and there's it's it's promoting trouble. But Joab here is still in the royal ranks, isn't he? He just took his job back and here I am. I'm Joab. Here's here's Sheba and I'm back. I don't know. 2nd Samuel 20 and 23. And look at that. It says and Joab was over all the army of Israel. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. Adoram was in charge of the revenue. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. Shiva was scribe. Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Ira, the Jairite, was a chief minister under David. Again, we see Joab's name in the list as over Israel's entire army. This is David's staff list here. But another problem we have in the list of the people we just read was Abiathar. One of the priests was in the list on David's staff. Who is Abiathar? Abiathar is of the priestly line of Eli, way back when Samuel was a little kid. Eli was that guy that the Lord said he would cut his line from the priesthood because Eli's sons were abusing the priesthood to take advantage of people. They were using the priest's position as a position of power to gain for themselves, and it infuriated the Lord something fierce. And Eli wouldn't do anything about it. He wouldn't put his sons in their place and tell them, you're going to stop this. They just kept doing it. So you got two guys, two problem guys in David's staff. Joab, not a good guy. We just read about him. And you've also got Abiathar, the priest. Later on in 1 Kings chapter 2, both Joab and Abiathar are going to both together They're going to try to steal the throne from David while David was lying on his deathbed. They figure, well, David's too sick. He can't do anything about it. Now's our chance to steal the throne. Joab's the guy that just went after Sheba. Oh, he tried to steal the throne from David. Yeah, look at you, how right you look to be. But now Joab is going to try to steal it himself. Abiathar is going to try to help him. They're going to try to put David's son, Adonijah, on the throne to keep Solomon from being king, and both Joab and Adonijah, boy, are they going to get it. They're going to get theirs, because by that time, when we get off into that book, David will be so fed up with both of them, okay? I want you to listen to what David is going to tell Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2, because it relates to our story right here today in 2 Samuel 20. Look at First Kings 2 and 5. It says, Moreover, you know also what Joab the son of Zeria did to me, and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner the son of Ner, and Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime, and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist, and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. (laughs) That's pretty serious. That's Joab is going to get what he has coming to him. So that's his judgment for the wickedness he did. But also, Abiathar the priest, who also was going to try to help Joab to steal the throne, here's what's going to happen to him. 1 Kings 2.27 so Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. So the Lord told Eli many years prior to this, I'm going to cut off your priestly line. This has got to stop. And First Kings 2 is when it finally happened, just as God said it would. But for now in Second Samuel chapter 20, David has these two problem men on his staff. Abiathar and Joab. But we did see the priest Zadok was also another priest listed in David's staff list. Zadok is going to be the one priest that is going to support David and Solomon and will eventually be elevated as high priest. He didn't fall for that takeover attempt like Joab and Abiathar did, and he's going to be lifted up for it. Why? Why did Zadok... support David, because I think Zadok could see the covenant on his king. Friends, you've got to know how to see covenant. And so there's a lot of trouble brewing here in chapter 20, but even still, we can see that both covenant and consequence was being worked up at the same time by the Lord. The consequences of sin will never take God's covenant promises away, and I want you to take comfort in this, okay? Covenant does not take the consequences of sin away either. Covenant does not remove consequences, and consequences does not remove covenant. Both were being administered by the Lord simultaneously, covenant and consequence. So we saw how the story played out. The king returned and called for the removal of those who defied him, those who refused to submit to his authority. Friends, when a king comes back, you better get under his authority, because if you don't, He's going to remove you out of the way because he's coming back whether you like it or not. Paul wrote to believers in Second Thessalonians 1.3. He says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for our patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing for God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled Rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes. In that day, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Friends, King Jesus, the King, is coming back for his throne. King Jesus is going to return for his throne. And when Jesus comes, he will be admired, it says. We just read it. He will be admired by us who believe in him. But there's a lot of people who refuse to submit to Jesus as their king. They look at him and they say, I will not be ruled by you. Those who rebel against Jesus. It's like the guy that called for the revolution. It's like Sheba. He says, you have nothing that we want. We don't want your authority. We don't want your inheritance. You have no inheritance over us. You have no authority over us. You have nothing we want. We're leaving. Goodbye. That's what Sheba said. And so in disobedient revolution, many people are going to turn away from Jesus, from the king. Friends, what did David do when he came back? What did he do when he returned? He ordered the execution of the opposition. We just read that Jesus is going to repay with tribulation great trouble on those who trouble you. Did you see that? The people that trouble you, the believer, the true believer in Messiah Jesus, he's going to put trouble on them. And that's going to be a trouble they can't get away from. Jesus is going to take great vengeance. Oh, that's not the Jesus I know. Uh, You need to get to know your God. Remember, the people did, they followed Joab because they, they should have known David better. Well, you need to know your king better, King Jesus. Jesus is, it's written, I didn't write it, don't write me emails. Take it up with God. Jesus is going to take great vengeance on those who do not know God. Friends, the guys that followed Joab after he murdered Amasa, they should have known David well enough to know that this is not what David ordered them to do. David would have never ordered to have his own guy killed in the street like that. Joab did not represent King David, nor did he speak on behalf of King David. But right now, this is for us guys, hear me, right now among us today, there are a lot of people calling for revolution, revolution, telling people, if you follow Jesus, then follow me. If you follow Jesus, follow me. And, and they're, but they're doing things that Jesus would never command, okay? These people are destructive. They lie. They steal. They murder. And they destroy without any care for those they hurt, just like they dragged the poor guy off the road, just threw a cloth over him, didn't even bother to bury him. These people do not do what the Lord commands. They don't preach from the word of God, but they speak from their own opinions. They do not speak on behalf of Jesus. Friend, if the guy that's out there telling you If you follow Jesus, then follow me and I'll lead you. If he is not speaking the word of God, if he does not go into the word of God, don't follow him. Do not follow him. You need to know your king, okay? He needs to speak on behalf of the Lord. And the way you speak on behalf of the Lord is by preaching his word. I am preaching you line by line, verse by verse of God's word. You know that what I'm telling you is not my opinion. and so. These people that will not go according to the word of God, they do not speak on behalf of King Jesus, and yet many people will follow them. Remember when I said, are people actually that dense to follow Joab like that? Apparently they were. Do people follow others that say, hey, if you follow Jesus, follow me, but they never read from God's word. Do people follow them? Yeah, they do. There's a bunch of them that do. Yes, people are that dense. The guy you're following that's saying, follow me and I'll show you Jesus. Why is he doing the things that Jesus never commanded? Why is he not doing what Jesus told him to do? You need to recognize that real quick. This is why 2 Thessalonians says that vengeance will be taken on those who do not know God. And it's not that you don't know him because you never got a chance. Everybody has a chance. All of creation. Everything is built to show God's invisible qualities. You have no excuse. Everybody that does not know God are the ones that chose to walk away and said, no, we're not going to have you rule over us. We're going to go our own direction. Sheba was executed for his revolution, for his rebellion against the king. You don't want to be in the same spot when Jesus comes back, my friends, okay? The people who will be condemned by God are those who have made their own willful decision to reject the authority of Jesus as their king. We will not be ruled by you. We have no inheritance in you. We have no authority by you, which we will get under. We don't want what you're offering, Jesus. So we are walking away. Those people do not know God because they choose not to know God. When David returned, he had the rebellion put down. When Jesus comes back, He's going to put the rebellion down, but not those who submit to his authority. That's the big difference. So I thought Jesus was loving. He is if you will get under his authority. Look at this passage. It gives us the both sides of the battle here in Malachi 4 and 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But, I love that, but to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Friends, the king is coming back. King Jesus is coming back, and he's going to rule on his throne, and that is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. He told David that someone from his line would come and establish an eternal kingdom, and that will be King Jesus, who can reign eternally. And friend, you need to know who King Jesus is. You need to know him, who he says he is, because if you don't, then you'll be talked into following anybody that claims to speak on his behalf who has not been given the calling or the authority to do so. Joab was fired by David. He did not have the authority, nor the place, nor the right to say that he spoke on behalf of the king of king David. Friends, you're going to get yourself in big big trouble because if you follow somebody who is not of the Lord, who has not been backed by the Lord, called by the Lord, who is not speaking the words of the Lord. You're going to get in big trouble because you saw what's going to end up happening to Joab. What do you think is going to happen to these people that claim to speak for the king, but they don't? The reason I teach God's word is so that you can know your king, get to know your king. And friend, I want to ask you if the return of King Jesus scares you, then I say, good. It ought to. It ought to scare you. All the more reason for you to get under his authority and call him king. Now, another thing that David told Solomon from his deathbed besides kill Joab is found in 1 Kings two three. David told him, he said, observe what the Lord your God requires Walk in obedience to him. Friends, I think David learned this the hard way, and I think he meant it when he said. Anyway, that's the advice we should all listen to. Observe and obey the Lord. Observe and obey the Lord. Observe. Study your Bible. Observe. Get into the text. Observe. Find out who God says he is, or else you're left with inventing your own version of who you think he should be observe, study the word of God, and then obey. Do not just merely listen to the words. Do what it says. Friends, we've got to know our king. He's coming back. I want you to know that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah, Jesus died on the cross to redeem you, but he's got commandments he expects of us, and we should be out there doing them. We need to be somebody who knows our king. Study the word and obey it and then proclaim him. And God gives you the right to proclaim his name. But you got to know him. You got to know him. Don't make up a God and go try to proclaim that because you're going to get in big, big trouble. Okay. You saw how it played out in the story today. Don't be a Joab. Don't be a Joab. (laughs) Okay. Turns out really, really bad. If you want to get to know your king, let me help you get there. I showed you the Word of God, and if you're concerned, I'm afraid Jesus is going to come back and I'm going to be in big trouble. Let me help you with that right now. Say this prayer, and you got to mean it, okay? You can't be just doing lip service or it ain't going to work. You've got to mean it from your heart. Say this, Father God, I have sinned. Forgive me, oh God. I'm sorry. I had my own version of who I thought you were, and it was wrong. Thank you for the gift of eternal life, your covenant promise sent down by your covenant king. Thank you, Lord, for dying in my place. I give you my life eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time